stuck in Moscow. I was presenting female, and oh my, my ID does not match. And she just kept looking at my ID and looking at me, and it was clear that she was disagreeing with the fact that my ID looked male and I looked female. Well, it's illegal and in Russia. It is really hard for queer and trans refugees from abroad to come here to Toronto and find affordable, stable, and safe housing. Through the years, stories about the lives of lesbian, bisexual, gay, transgender, queer, intersex, asexual, and the two-spirit community, and more, have been told through the small and big screen. Films and TV shows portraying the LGBTQIA2S plus community have evolved in many ways, from harmful stereotypes and hypersexualization to romantic, normalized, and positive representations. But the journey doesn't stop there. Every day, the lives of queer people are affected by what they see and what other people see on the screen. But how do these effects show up? What does it say about our media when it represents queer people in certain ways? That and more is what is coming up in this next episode of Diversity Series, Shedding Light on the Invisible. Hello, and welcome to Diversity Series, Shedding Light on the Invisible, a podcast series produced for Community Podcast Initiative and CMRU.ca at Mount Royal University. The Community Podcast Initiative is powered by Shaw. My name is Amelia Hawley, and I'm a third-year broadcast media studies student and one of the hosts of this lovely podcast. This podcast is coming to you from Mount Royal University, which is located in the traditional territories of the Nitsapi Blackfoot and the people of the Treaty 7 region in southern Alberta, which includes the Siksika, Pikani, Kainai, the Tsutina, and the Iahe Nakoda. The city of Calgary is also home to the Métis Nation, Mount Royal University condemns racism against those who identify as Black, Indigenous, and people of color. In this episode of the Diversity Series, we are going to explore the representation of the LGBTQIA2S community in the media, what they've done wrong, what they've done right, and how it has affected the community in real life. To help us with that, I am delighted to introduce to you today's guest of honor, James Demers, who has been a queer activist for 16 years. Demers is currently based in Ottawa, but during his time in Calgary, he worked for the Calgary Queer Arts Society for nine years. During that time, he even became the organization's executive director. Um, the Calgary Queer Arts Society is, was really, particularly when it started as the Fairy Tales Queer Film Festival, was one of the few places that regularly platformed local queer artists. And over the course of my time there, we expanded to include uh, a youth film creation program called the Youth Queer Media Program. We also expanded to bring on a theater program called the Coming Out Monologues, which talks about different kinds of coming out and uh, helps people train to do that work. And then we also created an, or, uh, an educational arm called the Outreels Diversity Education Suite. And uh, we did an enormous amount of LGBT trans non-binary education for organizations, community centers, uh, and a variety of other pieces. So it was a combination of arts and education. When we asked Demers what made him decide to be an activist in the queer community, he told us what it was like for him as a youth in the community with no one to turn to. Well, I was kicked out of my parents' house at 15 uh, for being a super butch uh, lesbian who was out about uh, being attracted to women at the time. 
And then, uh, and I, and I'm 24 hours later, I stumbled into my first drag show, which turned into a long-term commitment uh, to a drag organization that I still currently operate, which is called Fake Mustache. And that led to my first nonprofit board position as a youth member. Um, so yeah, I was it was very earnest. I uh, I was on my own. I found community fairly rapidly, and that community was really committed to creating opportunities that didn't exist. So. Welcome to the family, everybody. Take care of each other. Fake Mustache is the only wheelchair-accessible drag show in Calgary. Over the pandemic, they also started streaming their shows online. But what we noticed is we had an enormous number of neurodivergent queer folks reaching out to us and saying, thank you for putting this online. And so one of the changes that Fake Mustache has made is all of our live shows are live streamed for free, every single one of them, directly to the internet, freely available. In addition to working with Fake Mustache and the Calgary Queer Arts Society, Demers was also the co-chair of Calgary Pride for a number of years. As someone who's been an active and passionate member of the queer community for many years, we asked him how LGBTQIA2S plus visibility has changed. It's improved a lot over the years. Certainly the way that we speak about LGBT identity and particularly trans identity has really changed a lot over time. And that's really productive. I think um, I started doing work with pride organizations at a time where the only media representation that we got for a pride festival was one grainy picture of one drag queen and then some kind of sensationalist headline buried at the bottom of you know, the entertainment section or something like that. One of the things we talked to James Demers about was queer representation in the media. As media students ourselves, we believe it's important for us to understand the value of fair media representation. And media representation has changed dramatically. Um, there is never going to be enough queer representation in media because enough queer representation in media to me would mean that queer characters in media don't have to be the single representation for their intersecting identities, right? So, for example, I, I still see an enormous lack of representation for trans men in acting roles or movies or as centered in their own storylines. We're just barely starting to see that open up for trans women. We're just barely starting to see LGBT creators above the line. Demers says that among the LGBTQIA2S plus community, there are specific groups that still have little to no media representation whatsoever. Um, there is very, very little trans-masculine representation that I think has been done with even the barest amount of consideration. Um, Trans-femme representation, especially given the statistics of violence and death that particularly is impacted or impacts trans women of color, we don't speak about that in enough earnestness. We don't talk about the ways in which we are still unsafe in the world. And it's complicated because as queer people, we do experience barriers in the world. And so often we turn to media as a form of escape. And so it can be difficult to see queer stories reflected back to us that, ex that reflect our real lived experience. Sometimes you want an escape from that. And so I think there's this catch-22 between how do we portray queer and trans lives in ways that are authentic, but that allow us to be our own heroes, that allow us to celebrate uh, opportunities. We asked Demers about his first experiences seeing LGBTQIA2S plus representation in media. For him, the first notable representation was in the American series, Queer as Folk. Six, 
For Brian Kinney in Queer as Folk was the first time that I saw a queer person on screen set boundaries about their dignity to the outside world. And I thought that that was really powerful. And it gave me, it gave me this sense of um, security in a bizarre way. This idea that like, no, my identity is actually something that isn't amorphous and problematic. My identity is actually the strongest part of who I know myself to be. I feel very at home in living authentically, both as someone who was a Bush-identified woman for years and then someone who later who transitioned at 19. Um, but it was powerful to see a queer person asserting their rights to not only exist, but to thrive, to have joy, to be happy, to have find heartbreak and fall in love again, right? Um, and that was really impactful. Queer as Folk was one of the first television shows to have overt LGBTQIA2S plus representation. Since then, we have begun slowly transitioning into a world where queer representation is normalized and even celebrated. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think She-Ra, Princess of Power, is a wonderful example. And that writer has said explicitly, listen, all my characters are queer unless they specify otherwise. So, so switch that narrative, right? And so what a wonderful piece of representation. If we're going to reboot things and make them more... Um, more diverse and representative. I think that that's a wonderful example. But there's also things like Steven Universe and uh, Adventure Time and things that we think of as like small cartoony bits, but, but the way that they talk about bodies, the way they talk about gender representation, the way that they display relationships between different types of people, it's really powerful. While we've certainly come a long way in terms of queer representation, as Demer says, it's still not enough. I want queer heroes. I want complicated, like, multi-layered queer heroes. And I want those to exist in romantic comedies and action movies. And Like, I'd love to see some gay movies with explosions. Wouldn't that be lovely? I'd love to see, you know, I would love to, I would love to see triumphant stories um, and and relationships that do and don't work out. And, and we see zero representation from intersex folks, positive poly representation. Like there's a, there's a, we have a long way to go. A long way to go indeed. But on the bright side, the LGBTQIA2S plus community is getting more representation every day. However, sometimes that representation comes with its own problems. Take for instance, RuPaul's Drag Race. The winner of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars receives a one-year supply of Anastasia Beverly Hills Cosmetics, a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame, and a cash prize of $100,000. An interesting example of that is, for better or for worse, is Drag Race, which has caused problematic, has caused problems with representation because drag has always been diverse and drag has always included trans people. Like, all of that we know to be true, but because I come from the drag world, those contrasts are obvious to me. Having said that, the success of that show has platformed more BIPOC artists and more femme men and non-binary artists than any other piece of media in the last 10 years has ever. It has opened up, it has gotten, it has created an economy for drag. Despite some of the underlying problems in the show, Demers says that he's glad that Drag Race has been successful. There's now two generations that have watched Drag Race for 14 years, and that has given them permission to be themselves. And that's so powerful because 
in every other circumstance, effeminate gay men, particularly in media, were often portrayed as like not only disposable fundamentally, but an object of both ridicule and harassment. And so that's a much harder way to grow up in the world. So yeah, so it makes a big difference. When we asked Demers what he thought would make a difference in queer representation in media, his answer was simple. You need to have queer people writing your stories, directing your stories, running the cinematography, doing the costume design. They need to be above the line. They need to be making and telling and producing their own stories, uh, which seems like a wild idea, except that cis straight people, that's how every industry has ever operated, is wrapped around their identities. Um, so if you're telling a queer story, your director or your writer should be queer. He also had some ideas as to what positive queer representation should look like. I think that at this point, if you want to make a queer character, you, they need to be declaratively queer. I don't, I don't yeah. think that's, out, that's unreasonable at all. This idea of like it being a surprise or it being like a twist is, is just homophobia. <laughs> that's what it is, yeah. right? Because it's not a surprise and it's not a twist. Like the truth is when we, when we bury or have to hide our queer identities, it's usually because we're really unsafe. So there's no circumstance, do you know what I mean? There's no circumstance where encouraging a character to hide their identity is productive or um, it's not a, it's not a, I want to say it's not a good look, but it's not a great way to represent the, tr the truth of how most queer people walk through the world, which is out loud. So they should be out loud in media too. When it comes down to it, representation will always be a work in progress. It's important that we celebrate the representation that we already have, but be critical of it as well. Hopefully, down the road, it gets even better. One of the other things that we talked with Demers about is solidarity among marginalized groups. Demers says that the LGBTQIA2S plus community owes some of their success to previous movements. The LGBT rights movement, the queer rights movement, wouldn't exist at all without the incredible work that happened during the civil rights movement of the 60s and 50s and 60s and the feminist movement of the 70s. We are a conglomerate of the knowledge that was created in those movements. Because the queer movement has other civil rights movements to thank for some of its successes, Demers says that the LGBTQIA2S plus community has a responsibility to support other marginalized groups. It is 100% queer people's turn to provide the power and privilege that we experience in the world now, particularly in a place like Canada through legislative changes and other considerations. It's time for us to act in solidarity with the people that made it possible for us to achieve that, and that's the Black folks and Indigenous folks and people of color. Demers says that to him, queerness is a political identity. And that includes anti-oppression, that includes anti-racism, that includes decolonization, it includes solidarity. Um, that's not how everyone feels about queer identity, but I see queerness for me as an activist. It's a movement, and that's both personal and political. It's the same. Speaking of solidarity, we also talked about the importance of active allyship to the LGBTQIA2S plus community. Allyship is not a title. It's about being an accomplice. It's about being in the trenches fighting with us. It's about doing the, the research to understand what it means and connecting with community. And it Allyship and being an accomplice, it's a lifelong learning process. If you really are an ally or an accomplice to a community, that it includes the introductional parts of that community where they become more complex in a way where you have uh, where you nuance and that's equal. It's either you're on board for all of us or none of us. You don't get to pick racism versus homophobia versus transphobia. That's not how it works. If you want to be an ally, it's all of us. Uh, and that's all the identities that that pertains to, which is all people who are marginalized. Marginalized groups lean on each other for support but it's up to people in the majority to do their part as well. 
white privilege puts us in a position where we don't see the marginalization that comes with racial prejudice in the world, right? And so we have to we have to consider that in a very very different way. Um, and so just because our lives have been made easier doesn't mean that we don't have an obligation in solidarity with our other community members, right? And we can't. And it's dangerous to assume that all LGBT people are white for so many reasons, partially because pride is a global movement. The Diversity Series, Shedding Light on the Invisible, is a podcast produced by the students of MRU's Broadcast Media Studies program. This episode was put together by Madeline Seifert, Amelia Hawley, Jacob Mark, Riggs Vigera, Michaela De Los Santos, and Wyatt Patterson. Our series production team is Samantha Jolin, Wyatt Patterson, Liam Daw, Dawson Bainbridge, Braden Cordero, and Adam Bukasel. The Diversity Series, Shedding Light on the Invisible, is a production of CMRU.ca and the Community Podcast Initiative at Mount Royal University. The Community Podcast Initiative is powered by Shaw. We hope that this podcast gave you some insight into the LGBTQIA2S plus community, what it's like to live in a marginalized community, and how to do better as an ally of that community. The purpose of this podcast series is to shed lights on groups that are underrepresented in the media. As students of media, we pledge to do what we can to improve this representation in the years to come. I'm Amelia Hawley. Thanks for listening.